One morning I woke up and I knew Welcome into a special edition of Rocky Singery. I say special because actually I'm the only one, Jake Shapiro that is, uh, that's actually a member of Rocky Singery that's on this podcast today. We have a new member, obviously Adam, who joined us last week. Adam's on the phone joining us from somewhere in the middle of Tennessee. That sounds awful. Um, and, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can follow him at tw- on Twitter at, where at, Adam? That's uh, player TVNL. Just think player to be named later at player TVNL. Uh, Jorge De La Rosa was once a player to be named later. Uh, oh, you know what? Speaking of players to be named later, the player to be named later, obviously Kevin Costner, uh, hit his minor league breaking home run in Asheville, where Adam was this week there to we watch go. the Asheville Tours. <laughs> oh. Uh, and Kevin Costner, the player to be named later, is my Twitter avatar, so go figure, full circle this weekend. Yep, and we will have tourist coverage coming up for you later in the podcast. Uh, they did make the playoffs today. That was awesome news. Uh, today being Labor Day, Monday, September 7th. Uh, joining us in studio, and by studio I mean my couch, uh, my couch where I do all my blogging from, <laughs> uh, I have Nick. Tremoroli. Yeah, I can't Tremoroli. pronounce your no name worries, either. No um, you can follow him on Twitter, not at DRocksFan anymore, nope. but at NickTrem underscore 17. Yep. Uh, and I am Jake Shapiro. Follow me at Shapalicious. You can follow the podcast at Rocky Singery on Twitter. You can follow us on RockyZingers.com. All three of us are writers for Rocky Zingers, the ESPN Sweet Spot blog network for your Colorado Rockies baseball. Uh, you can follow the podcast as well on iTunes, SoundCloud, Podbean, and Stitcher. Anyways, let's get right into it this week. Uh, today is the 18th edition of the podcast. The number 18, the best 18 I could think of was, well, well by, by butt rankings, the best <laughs> butt to where number 18 was Johnny Damon as captured by Fever Pitch. <laughs> hey, Damon, nice butt. Uh, oh, you know, great movie, great movie reference. Uh, yeah. Underrated <laughs> movie. Underrated. Oh, no or question. overrated. Or both. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the worst and one of the best movies yep. of all time, all at the same it's, time. It's, it's, one of, it's one of those few movies that fits that exact genre of underrated and overrated at the same time. It's very, it's, exactly. it's very, very unique. Uh, other 18s we have on the list are Andy Van Slyke, Ben Zobris, Ted Kozlowski, uh, Mr. Vest himself, uh, Moises Alou, uh, God, I hate Moises Alou, uh, and Jason Kendall, the last catcher to bat leadoff. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go with Jason Kendall as my number 18 for the week. Uh, hey, I, speaking of that, I was at one of those games when he batted leadoff for the Royals. Back in, I think that was 2011. And, and you uh, were trying to convince us that you weren't old. <laughs> <laughs> I never, I never tried to convince anything otherwise. <laughs> um, but uh, going into what the Rockies have done recently, they've had a nine-game stretch here since we talked to you last. Uh, we're a day late on the podcast for Labor Day weekend, as well as they had a doubleheader. So they actually played nine since we talked to you last. They went five and four. Uh, they haven't been 500 in a stretch since we've done the podcast, I, I think in four or five editions. So the Rockies had a pretty good week, all things considered. Uh, I think the first positive week since Tula was traded, the Rockies are 15 and 25 since Tula was dealt. Uh, the Rockies, I think, are 22 and 11 when Daniel Descalso starts. Our Lord and Savior, Daniel um, Descalso. The anti hero. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> Danny D and uh, Julian tweeted that out the other day and I was laughing so hard Danny D uh, 
Julian's the guy who runs the Rockies Twitter account. Uh, it, uh, but most of that five and four can be attributed to Cargo and Nolan absolutely blazing hot, uh, hitting home runs left and right. Yeah, there is no question about that. It's it was actually kind of impressive what Nolan and Cargo have been doing. Um, they've been they've been kind of teetering back and forth as far as uh, leading the NL in homers. Um, I don't know what they're at now. Uh, they're, I think they're. In the I think they're thirty six. Yeah, thirty six. Uh, thirty six all at this point. Could be wrong on that. Don't have the stat in front of me. Um, yeah, it's but, Maris and uh, Maris and Mantle esque. Yeah, very much. And on so. a much smaller and significant scale. <laughs> yeah. As with and as with anything is Rockies relating to the Yankees, uh, <laughs> even the even the pinstripes. Yes. Um, but yeah, I, I really loved what I've seen out of Cargo. Uh, really, since uh, about Adam wrote an article in June, I think June fifteenth, and ever since that point, Cargo's batted like three ten. With he's led the league in batting average on base percentage and slugging essentially. Uh, he has the most home runs in the league. He's hit like 25 of his 36 home runs in that stretch. Uh, his last 50 games, he's on a 75 home run pace over the course of a 162-game season. Uh, he's been absolutely incredible lately. Uh, really the player we knew before all of the injury problems caught up with him, uh, the triple crown candidate we know. Uh, Nolan is another story, hitting six home runs or, or home runs in six straight games. That's the first time that had been done in a Rockies uniform and getting extra base hits uh, in consecutive games, tying the Rockies record. Uh, but, man, especially for such a bad team, this has been a fun week to watch baseball. That it has. Um, I think I, I had a theory before this season about Nolan. Um, not, I didn't tell many people about it. I think Sarah Ford, another fellow um, Rockies Zingers writer, uh, I was talking to her about it. I had a theory that, Nolan was going to absolutely break out this year. Um, and it looks like I may have been right. Uh, the average isn't necessarily where he might want it to be, but nonetheless, it is still a very good average for, I'd say, a Rockies hitter for, uh, for being still fairly, a fairly young player. And Cargo, yeah. this, 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 is what, this is what we thought we'd see. This is a healthy Cargo. Yeah, and as we said the first two months of the season on the podcast over and over again, it was going to take some time for Cargo to get back used to playing healthy. Uh, and that's hard to explain to people because it's like, oh, well, it's just healthy. Well, every little bit of time in counts in baseball, and you're truly seeing a healthy Cargo for the first time since, I think, 2011. Adam, jump in here. Yeah, well, uh, you know, when you, whenever you're talking about a hand injury, which is essentially what that fatty maps with tentacles was. <laughs> man, that's true. You, you're, you're, <laughs> Your hands, like, that's everything for a hitter. You know what I mean? Uh, it's your hands and your feet. Uh, I'm reminded of uh, the reason everyone thought Pujols was just going to end up being an albatross in uh, Los Angeles was because, man, those plants are fasciitis injuries, and he couldn't do anything. So it's your it, and, uh You know, a few years back, you know, 09 or 2010, Tulo had that wrist injury, and that just stacked him. So, you know, those hands and wrist, hands, wrists, feet, uh, they seem really small, but they have a disproportionate impact. And so the fact that it took a couple months for cargo, it's just, yeah, I mean, you, you guys are absolutely right. It's, it just took a little bit. And so, man, it's it's fun to see. When I wrote that article, like, I, I, I was seeing some things, you know, being encouraged by, by what uh, cargo was going to do. But, man, I just, I keep throwing it out there every once in a while because when you're right about baseball, you're wrong so many times that when, when you get one, Right, or even 
I would consider this one a half right, or maybe even a third right. <laughs> um, but and you, you gotta celebrate those when, when you get them right. Because look at John Kerry. Look how many times that guy's gotten them, gotten them wrong and or cursed. So, uh, <laughs> so man, that, that's that's exciting. But going back to Nick, what you were saying about Nolan, like you weren't wrong. You weren't alone in thinking that Nolan was going to bust out. There's there's a lot of people on that bandwagon this year, and, and not not to say that that makes calling it any less significant, but um, just letting you know you weren't crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so. no, I, 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 I never thought I was crazy, but it was, it was just a, it was just a theory, you know, that you know it things were starting to add up for him, and I mean we we all we knew what he had defensively, and he finished the season so strong last year that it, to me at least it was almost a foregone conclusion that he was going to have one heck of a year this year. So yeah, I, I think the thing with Nolan that's just shocking, you know, you, you talk about it was a foregone conclusion that he was going to have a great year. I expected him to take strides on batting average. I expected him to take strides on defense, um, e- e- even in hitting in the power gaps. But hitting twice as many home runs, never expected that. Never thought that was going to happen. Sure, he had stretches last year where he'd hit three or four in a week, but never where it was, you know, he was hitting three or four in a week and then three and a four the next week and then two the next week. You know, he's been, he's been something else. And, and he was really quiet here for about a six-week stretch until, you know, this week, Purple Row even did an article. Is it time to start worrying about Nolan? And I think that's just the kind of hitter Nolan's going to be with, with his batting stances. He's going to get a little streaky at times. I wouldn't call him a streaky hitter. He's just going to be a little streaky at times, if that makes sense, uh, especially with his power. And another factor that that, that factors into is he, he doesn't get on base much. And what I mean by that, he doesn't walk. He doesn't see pitches. And that just kind of plays into the streakiness aspect of Nolan. It's not necessarily a horrible thing that he doesn't walk because he's trying to hit doubles in the gap every time or home runs. But you would like to see that improve, and I think that's the next step for Nolan's game is getting on base more. So I'd really love to see that. But going back to Cargo, you know, it, it was running through my head you know, about two, three months ago. Man, this contract's going to be a disaster for the Rockies to get rid of. What are they going to do? How are they even going to get him for a B-rate prospect? And now you're looking at him again as one of the top five outfielders in baseball, or in, in the National League, excuse me, along with uh, Gregory Polanco, uh, Andrew McCutcheon, A.J. A. Pollock is right there, uh, uh, Chris Bryant if he's playing the outfield. Kyle Schwarber, I, I wouldn't put him up there yet just because of the track record, but I do like Schwarber. Uh, but you, you certainly put him in that uh, group. Jason Hayward's right there, too. Uh, so you're looking at Carlos Gonzalez and what he's been doing of recent memory. Adam, you know, like I said, you've been a Rockies fan for a while. Can you remember anyone having like a better eight-week stretch of a season than Carlos Gonzalez just had? Maybe Larry Walker did it once or twice? Uh, so I was, I was trying to think back. You know, I think uh, the Rockies uh, tweeted something out or, or maybe it was Sanders or Grove talked about how uh, – Man, the things that Cargo's doing, we've, we've seen Bichette do some similar things, but not quite at this level. We've seen Walker do some similar things, but again, not quite at this level. Um, you know, I remember watching Walker. I remember going to games a lot uh, during that 98 uh, or 97 MVP season. And, uh, you know, at that time, I wasn't as into the numbers as I, as I am now. I just remember being just flat out amazed by what he did. But actually, for me, thinking about what Cargo's doing right now reminds me of something. 
a little bit in the recent past, and that's that's 2011 Tulo, uh, when he ripped off, what was it, 15, 16 home runs in the month of September. Uh, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure where uh, Cargo was, how many home runs he actually hit in the month of August, but, but I know he was coming up close to that. Uh, and it's, it's just incredible to think that, you know, for all intents and purposes, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know if they've announced it yet, but for NFL Player of the Week, it's pretty much between Cargo and Tulo. I, I don't know what they, not too sure what anyone else has been doing. That would be the second one in about three weeks for Cargo. Um, and to think, like at the end of July, like we we were all saying, okay, what are the Rockets going to do? Okay, they shipped out Tulo. What else are they going to do? Who, who else is gone? Well, surely Cargo's gone. Well, the fact that Cargo's not gone either tells us, one, that the Rockies were sure that he could turn it around quickly, or two, that his value was so low that no one was going to take him. And, you know, one month later, look at what he's doing. It's just, it's really fun to watch. There's a few things I enjoy more watching on baseball field and Cargo dropping that bat after a, long, after a big bomb. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's fun. It's there's not a lot going on for the Rockies right now, but this is one thing that's fun. You know, it makes you look back, and, and, and you know, as you know, a, a guy who likes the Cubs as well, it makes you look back of about you know six weeks ago, five weeks ago. What if the Cubs actually did trade for Cargo, and where the Cubs would be at right now? But you know, uh, 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 Cargo has hit ten home runs this uh, in the month of August. He had eleven in the month of July. We did look that up. Uh, so twenty-one mo- uh, home runs over the course of two months in the humidor era in a pitcher's era post steroids that that is that's spectacular that's 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 grade 80 power right there i I tweeted this out uh, i tweeted this uh, i think a couple weeks ago but i said you know with all with the fact that we feel the rockies need to rebuild i said you know carlos gonzalez is making it really hard on jeff Friday to do the right thing you know, to, to do the right thing by trade cargo, to your point. continue the rebuild. But, you know, it's it's going to be hard to justify trading away a guy when healthy is doing this. And I think if we were able to have some kind of guarantee that cargo is going to stay healthy for the rest of his career, you don't trade him. But the issue here is he does not have a good injury track record. And it's not a risk that I think the Rockies – can afford to take right now well even more so than that i think it comes down to where his contract is up um that you guys might be able to remind me but i'm pretty sure his contract is up in 17 and he doesn't have any more options after that right and so really what you're banking on if you're jeff bright is just saying okay i think that the rockies can be competitive with cargo who will be i think 32 ish at the time uh by then i i honestly can't remember how old he is now but you're saying, I'm banking on Cargo being good in 2017, and that's when the Rockies are going to be good again. And, and so that's why you keep it. Uh, and so, to me, that's the bigger gamble uh, in, in this. It's, it's not so much the injury. It's that, is this team going to have enough pieces around Cargo by the time, you know, before his contract runs out? And so, to me, that's the gamble. Yeah, Cargo turn, uh, has two more years left on his contract as a free agent in 2018. He will be 32 that offseason. Uh, and, and his money the next two years is $17 million and $20 million respectively. And looking at that... Which isn't that bad. Right, if no, he puts up a three-war, like 
if he puts up a three war, which he did this season, that's what that goes for on the open market. Um, and, and that's accounting for the negative one war he had in the first two months. So really, Cargo's going to... I was about to say, that's what he did in the past two months is three wars. So come on. Right. Or at least. So that money is well worth it if, if that's where the Rockies are going to spend it. But going back to your point, Adam, about how many times we get it wrong, in this year of thinking alone, we've thought the Rockies are going to build around Tulowitzki and Gonzalez at one point to Tulowitzki and Nolan to Nolan and Dickerson, to Nolan and Cargo. So, you know, there's been so much that has happened this year that has swayed thinking, um, and it's really hard to predict where the Rockies are going to do or what they'll do with Cargo or even Nolan Arenado for that matter. I still think one of the biggest question marks in this organization relies around uh, uh, Corey Dickerson. He, he's in a really weird spot. He's going to turn 28. He has less than a year and a half of service time. Um you know, he, he is a hell of a hitter when he's healthy, but he's not healthy. Uh, so I, I think that's one of the biggest question marks going forward with the Rockies' key pieces, uh, key younger pieces that are already on the roster. What I do want to jump into are some of the other roster moves this week. September call-ups happened since the last time we talked to you. Uh, the names called up were Willian Rosario, Miguel Castro, Rex Brothers, Christian Adamas, Boone Logan came off the DL, Kyle Kendrick came off the DL, Justin Miller is up, Brooks Brown's up, Raphael Yanoa is back, Morneau came off the DL, David Hale is back, Dickerson and Chatwood are making rehab appearances now, and I guess the minor league season ended, so that, that they'll, might, they have a chance of playing at some point this season. I, I, no, I, I guess not for Chatwood, because Chatwood was shut down by Weiss. Um, but of those names called up, I think the really interesting ones to look out for for the rest of the season uh, are Miguel Castro. Where he's the first thing, piece we're seeing from the Tulo deal. Uh, Willian Rosario, where he's at, I think that's always going to be an is- interesting question mark. I'm really excited to see myself some Christian Adamas, mm-hmm. as well as to see wh- whether or not Morneau is healthy. Because although Morneau does have an option for this next season with the Rockies, which is like $7 million, which is almost nothing in baseball money, the Rockies do have an opt-out of that, but they do need to pay about a million. So I'm very interested to see those storylines. Uh, Nick, where, where are you on those, uh, those guys? Real quick, it is also worth mentioning that on his appearance with Root Sports the other day, Jeff Breidich did say they were going to wait until after the minor league season ended today to make a decision on Trevor Story as to whether to call him up or not. Just a personal feeling, I don't see him being called up. He's had a heck of a season. Especially with him going to play Arizona Fall League. Exactly. Um, I just see him just kind and of And he's taking... also jumped to the extra level, too. He started the year in double A. So. Right, exactly. So I, I, I don't see him being called up. Um, but it is it is worth mentioning that Breidich did say that they were going to wait until after today to make um, to make an announcement, if they are even going to make an announcement. I mean, not that it's a big deal to DFA a guy like Rafael Yanoa, but, you know, he's not on the 40-man right I'll now. I'll tell you what, I would not complain if they... <laughs> I'm not a big Yanoa fan. T- tough out. Anyway, but back to the, uh, the call-ups that we were talking about. I got to be honest, I am quite enamored with uh, Christian Adamas. His swing was on that double that he hit in one of his first at-bats after being called up again. I was amazed at how quick and how fast he is to the ball. Um, I'm very excited to see what he can do on a kind of more extended look basis here in September. Um, Was a little disappointed today to see that he didn't get the start over Descalso, but you know what, that uh, 22-11 record or whatever it is uh, doesn't lie, I guess. Um, Hey, you got to ride the Topsman while you have them. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But Miguel Castro, um, another name that is worth uh, watching, 
so far has not impressed, um, at least in what little bit we've seen from him. Um, I think there is more refining that needs to be done there, and I think the Rockies will at least make the effort to refine that, but um, I don't see necessarily see him starting or breaking camp with the big club out of spring next year. Um, but I Here, am Here's a question about Castro for you guys. Do you see the Rockies doing with him what, uh, what they did with Bettis? Because they re- they're seeing him as a, re- as a reliever, uh, and Chad Bettis first made his way up as a reliever. And now Chad Bettis is starting. He's, he's doing pretty well. Do you, do you guys think that they might do that with Castro as well? I think the big difference with Castro and Bettis already is that Bettis was older when he made the transition. But the thing that is different here is they were already transitioning Bettis to be back a starter at the end of last season. He got a full month of starting in Colorado Springs last year uh, before he went into the, uh, spring training as a starter. So if they're going to do that to Castro, they're going to need to stretch him out over the winter and then give him a chance in spring training. I would like to see him get a chance at starter because it's far easier to turn a starter into a reliever than it is to turn a reliever into a starter. And starters are more valuable than relievers. However, the Rockies do have a lot of options at that starting pitching position for next year. But once again, Castro is very young, and I would like to see him get a chance in a more valuable position because he was rushed up to the big leagues last year from, or or sorry, this year from, I think, high A. Uh, So he really deserves a chance at being uh, uh, looked at as a pitcher. Even Breidich said this on MLPTR's podcast this week, that they need to remind themselves of how young Castro is. They need to keep reminding themselves because this dude is really young. Like, seriously, if he were to play the rest of the next five years in the big leagues, he'd be a free agent when he's 26. Like, that's almost unheard of. Uh, so I, 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 I would like to see it that way, Adam, to answer your question, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, what do you think, Nick? Do, have you, yeah, what thoughts do you have? Honestly, that's exactly what I thought. Um, as, as far, I, I agree with Jake 100%. Um, I think that's the biggest thing as far as the age goes. You know, we're all... We're all excited about Miguel Castro because he has that plus arm. He throws in the high 90s. Uh, we're like, oh, we want to see that at the major league level. But, no, he, I, I don't think he's ready. Honestly, I, don't, I didn't like the fact that he was called up this early anyway in September. I, I mean, I, I get it. I understand the thought process behind it. Uh, but I don't agree with it. I think letting him – I mean, of course, the season's over now. But letting him just finish out the year – decompress a little bit. It's been a whirlwind of a year for a guy like that. you got to remember the mental toll stuff like this takes on. Well, on not only like that, that, but going into spring training this year, there's no way in hell he thought he was going to be in the big leagues. That's true. And then all of a sudden he's traded in the biggest trade of the season. Yep. Like the, the things that have happened to Castro this year have to be a whirlwind. He started the year playing in a ballpark in front of probably 2,000 people at high A, and on the backfields of spring training, maybe 50 people, and he finishes the year – where everyone knows his name and he's in one of the biggest ballparks in baseball uh, playing for a pennant at the start of the year and then being involved in a huge trade. That's not easy on a kid like that. I mean, I'm the same age. Nick's a little bit older than him. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, that's not... Yeah, that's, young yeah. <laughs> right. that's not easy on kids our age. Just trust us. Uh, I have you. enough problem moving across the street. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's the biggest thing. Let, that's why I wish they would have let him finish the season go home, decompress, kind of reflect on what's happened this year, and come back ready for next season. I think at this point, we're all looking to next season. I think next season's a focus. Uh, September, at this point, I mean, there's a lot of things to watch this September, but I think as far as a, as a collective fan base, I think, I, of course, I can't speak to this as far as the Rockies go, but I think 
by and large, everyone is looking to 2016 and beyond, and we're try- just trying to get through the rest of 2015. Yeah, and I want to jump off on what you're talking about, your points. Uh, you have a great piece coming out on Zingers tomorrow. I don't know why I said great. I haven't read it yet. Um, it's, <laughs> pro- it's probably going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, I don't know why. Um, but you have a piece coming out tomorrow about what we should look forward to, and I hope you did mention this in your piece. I think Chad Bettis is one of the biggest storylines of September just because he was so good. He made this huge improvement this year. And uh, to him, for him to have a good finish to the year would be so huge. Uh, he had one bad start this week, but I think he's got a shot at really just finishing off the year on a strong note, especially with missing about two months due to injury. So I'd really like to see that out of Chad Bettis. Two more storylines that are developing this week. Nick Hundley's missed a few games of neck stiffness. Nick Hundley's been quietly probably the third or fourth most valuable Rocky this year. Uh, huge addition at the catcher spot. Has been everything and more than advertised what we were going to get. I remember saying to Purple Dinosaur Podcast, our friends over there on Twitter, um, when we got Nick Hundley, they, I, I said, he's our starting catcher. And they're like, we didn't just get our starting catcher. They said back to me, I'm like, yes, we did. And from that point forward, I think everyone's kind of been surprised with how good Nick Hundley actually is and how much of a difference having Jordan Pacheco to Nick Hundley is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A- along with that point, another injury to look to is uh, Nolan Arenado left the, today's game early dove into the stands, which he said he was never going to do again, but he will continue to do yeah, it. Yeah, that guy's, that guy's got a problem. It's a problem that's never going to go away. I honestly... The but that's what makes him great. Yeah, but that's, that's what makes him great. That's just the way he plays a- the game. And that's fine. And he has a chest contusion, and he's out uh, 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 today's game, and he's getting x-rays, and we'll see where he's at. I don't have a great feeling about it, uh, just because, you know, you, you always talk to... I, I, I hear this a lot in cycling. The, the soft falls and what they mean by that are the hard falls. Uh, so if you're going slower and you fall off your bike, it might actually hurt more because uh, the way you fall is different than when you kind of go fast and you skid. And the way Nolan fell into the stands today, he kind of just awkwardly kind of fell slowly. And that was really concerning to me that just kind of the way he fell was kind of really awkward and slow. And it looked like there was a lot of pressure put on his hip. Uh, so I think those are some of the biggest storylines going the rest of the year. I think another well, one. Well, there's one other that we should point out. Like you, you mentioned that they they brought Justin Morneau back. Like, can we just pause for a second and acknowledge like how good it is to see Justin Morneau on the field? And actually, you know, he's gotten a couple of hits, man. Like, you know, a couple months ago, we were we were all debating, you know, on, on Twitter and everything. Like, hey, maybe Justin should just hang him up. Like, baseball is not worth what could happen if he. If he you know, get screwed up again. And so, like, to see him out there, I, I, didn't, I didn't expect to see him again this season. So the fact that he's out there, like, I just think that's that's awesome. Good for Justin. Uh, glad to see him. We'll, we'll see how the Rockies handle this whole his contact in the offseason. But that's just I'm, – I'm afraid for him, but I'm just glad to see him out there on the field again. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's also a big storyline, I think, just because he's playing for a contract. I Honestly, I don't, I don't see the Rockies springing for it because I, I want to say it's a mutual option. Um, so I don't, I don't see the Rockies springing for it, but I do think that Morneau could bring, if when healthy, without the concussions, he could bring some value to a team. And I, I, I if he wants to play, I want him. To, I want to see him go someplace. He's a, he seems like a great guy. He plays hard. He loves the game. So I, I'd love to see him go someplace and contribute. So that that is a big storyline to watch for for Justin Morneau. 
you gotta love the the veteran guy. You know, J- Justin Morneau isn't just a regular veteran, and I, I'm, I'll tell this story for the rest of my life. The first time I ever was credentialed, the only guy I ever asked a question to was Justin Morneau. There's Troy Tulowitzki, Carlos Gonzalez. Uh, I don't know, the, Jorge De La Rosa, everyone in the Rockies organization, I could pick whoever to ask a question to, and I went up to Justin Morneau. Why? Because he's a former MVP. And I will say for the rest of my life, the first person I interviewed as a media member was uh, Justin Morneau, former MVP. And that's my point. You know, Justin Morneau isn't just some other veteran. He's a former MVP. This dude's legit. And you've got to respect the fact that he's going to try and go chase one more ring down. Or, or, well, his first ring, for that matter. He's been in the playoffs with Minnesota a few more, uh, a, a few times. But you got to love that, that he's going to go chase a ring. And I, and I really hope he gets the chance to do it. But I want to talk about another veteran guy who is another true champion who's never really had that chance. Uh, that's Jorge De La Rosa. He's got a 1-6 war this season, 4-18 FIP. Uh, the last two outings have been spectacular for Jorge. Uh, he's 9-6 on the season. Nice. Uh, he is, he's, been, he's been so good. And I, I would love for people to just respect Jorge because, man, he does not get any credit. He really doesn't. I think he's, he's I think, the, the leader on the field for this, uh, for this pitching staff. He, he may not be – he's not outspoken at all, really. Um, but when he's out there, guys seem to contribute for him. He, he just exudes confidence when, when he's on the mound. And he just goes out and just plays his game. And you, you just have to respect a guy like that. And you hear funny stories about, about Jorge here and there. Um, and you, you just laugh, but at the same time, it's, he's so quiet about things that people don't notice him until he's doing something terrible. And you're like, oh, Jorge, he's doing, he's doing terrible things on the field. But all of a sudden, he's pitching better than anybody on this, on this staff. And no one's given him the credit for it. And I, th- I think he does deserve all the credit in the, all the, credit in the world. Well, Jorge is just a cool creation, you know. So <laughs> that, that, that's why he doesn't get the respect that he deserves. Uh, but, I mean, in all seriousness, again, it's, it's fascinating to think that, you know, Jorge De La Rosa, the guy that we, we got kind of, you know, kind of as a filler in a trade. I can't remember what trade he came on. It was a uh, really he was nothing a play- trade. I, he was a player uh, to be named play- later in a, in a deal we got for a reliever or something. Yeah. You know, it's a again, player. Yeah. Uh, and so, man, when he first got here, you know, he had anxiety, like, not anxiety issues like Zach Granke, but, you know, you should probably get rattled really easily on the mound. Like, uh, you know, you do really great, but, you know, as soon as he gets into trouble, you know, you blow up a little bit. And so to go from that the guy that he is now, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, let's, let's not forget, like, earlier this week, uh, or two weeks ago, I guess, he, he got thrown out of the game because he was getting a little too animated on the mound, uh, like, he still has that in it, but, but yeah, for the most part, he is, uh, he's a guy who quietly goes about his work, um, and, you know, he's, he, he does what he needs to do to get ready for the game, he gets ready for the game, he throws his game, uh, and a 418 FIP in in Coors Field, I mean that's nothing to sneeze at when you're when you're pitching as many games as you are as he is at Coors Field. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we all. I, I feel like there's some kind of like half collector groan when uh, when they signed him to that extension uh, about a year ago, um, and there's some baseball reasons why it made sense and some reasons why it didn't, but overall. Uh, you know, 
based on where this team is in the contention cycle and based on some of the pitching prospects they have coming up. Uh, and for guys to be able to come up and be able to talk to Jorge De La Rosa and just be like, hey, how did you get through this and become a pitcher who could, who could pitch his game instead of getting rattled? Uh, I mean, that that definitely has value. It's, it's not something we can measure. It's not... Um, and it's definitely something that could be overvalued by some people, but but it definitely has value. He was the player to be named later in the Ramon Ramirez deal. Uh, he started his career with Arizona, then got traded to Milwaukee, then Kansas City, then Colorado. I want he was traded in two blockbuster deals as a minor piece. If you guys can name one or two or both of the guys he was traded for, the big piece of those blockbusters from Arizona to. Oh, no, he was in Boston for a little while, too. So it was Arizona to Boston, and then uh, Boston to Milwaukee and Milwaukee to Kansas City. So the two blockbusters he was a part of was Boston to Milwaukee, and, or, or sorry, uh, Arizona to Boston, and Kansas City, or it, I think Boston to Milwaukee or Kansas City to Milwaukee. He was a part of two blockbusters early in his career. These are 2002-2003. He was, in part, he was before the Granky deal, right? Yes, that was way before. He, uh, Granky, all the guys that are on the Royals team now came over in the Granky deal, basically. That's right, that's right. Uh, I, got, I, I got nothing. Nick, do you have a guess? No, I have no idea. He came over from uh, Boston to, uh, from Arizona to Boston in the Kurt Schilling trade. Wow. Uh, wow. And then he was traded to by Arizona uh with Chris Capuano, Craig Council, Chad Moeller, Lyle Overbay, Junior Spivey to the Brewers for Shane Nance and Richie Sexton. Wow. So Richie yeah, Sexton. Got any of those. No. Yep, Richie Sexton and uh, well, Craig Council's huge too, but Richie Sexton and uh, and uh, uh, Kurt Schilling. Those are two pretty big trades back from the mid two thousands. But anyways, I got we got one more point for this week, and we wanted to talk about the miners. Uh, like we said, Adam was down in Asheville, but before we go into Asheville. We have uh, all the minor league teams, starting with Albuquerque. Uh, Asheville was the only team to make the playoffs. Albuquerque had the worst record in franchise history. We're sorry we took away the Dodgers from you. Um, <laughs> That's so rocky. Yep. Uh, New Britain finished the year 69-71. and 71. Nice. Uh, and Modesto finished the year four games under 500. They finished the second half 34 and 35, the first half 33 and 37. Uh, they split up the season down in uh, the California League, so that's why that's that way. Uh, really surprising that they didn't make the playoffs considering how good they were last year uh, with that Asheville team. They maintained most of that roster going to California League. About half of them ended up in New Britain, though, by the end of the year. So I guess kind of shocking, but not totally shocking. Um, and then the last team of the four uh, uh, long season Cubs was Asheville. They finished the second half 40 and 29, eked into the playoffs today by a half, a, uh, by by not a half a game, by uh, by what you consider the the full game. But they needed to they needed to either win today or have I think Greenville lose. I think you said Adam, and they had Greenville lose. Uh, Adam, run us through Asheville. Yeah. So. Uh... So everything came down to this weekend. You know, I, uh, I came into Asheville Friday night, didn't see the game then. I uh, went to the game Saturday, and so they had three games left, and they were clinging on to a very scant lead. Vacillated uh, uh, between a game and a half game, but the whole weekend over the Greenville Drive. And 
Yeah, the game I went to on Saturday, and I can talk more about that. Uh, they lost, uh, but Greenville lost, so they stayed ahead. Uh, they won on Sunday, uh, Sunday night game, and apparently that was a good game. Apparently that's the game we should have gone to. Um, and uh, then today, Greenville was playing the Savannah Sand Nats, uh, and Savannah has had already clinched a playoff spot, um, and so they, they didn't really have anything to play for other than, hey, if they won, they got to knock out Greenville and face Asheville. So apparently they decided they'd rather go to the uh, Blue Ridge Mountains in Western North Carolina because they, uh, they got that win. Apparently everyone in Nashville, uh, that game went final about the eighth inning, and everyone in Nashville slowly but surely got word and realized that they clinched. And so even even though Asheville lost the game today, it was, it was a close game, uh, I think it was 5-4, uh, even though they lost the game, as soon as the final out was recorded, they they all celebrated. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's good accomplishment for them. That that three game series uh, starts on uh, Wednesday. Uh, best of three, I think, two games in Nashville and then one in Savannah or or Memphis. First, I'm not sure, but yeah. Before uh, we talk about the playoffs, Adam, how I, I know you've been to McCormick Field before and, and you've been to Asheville. And my favorite tweet from your weekend was Asheville is more Boulder than Boulder. Um, oh, yeah, I, run us through Asheville and how that is as a minor league town, as well as McCormick Field being one of the most historic fields in minor league baseball. Man, so uh, we we really uh, enjoyed our time. You know, me, me and my wife went out there uh, for a long Labor Day weekend trip. Uh, you know, it's about an eight-hour drive from from Memphis, uh, but you know, it was it was totally worth it. It's uh, nicknamed the Beer City, and so for those of you who are of age and prefer something a little bit better than Bud Light Lime. Uh, man, they they got something for you there. It's so it's there's all kinds of different breweries and brew pubs, so it's it's really great. They're uh, all different kinds of places to eat. Like honestly it's just it's just a great little town. Uh, it's got kind of this small town vibe to it. Uh, you know, it's, it's only eighty thousand eighty seven thousand, so it's actually smaller than Boulder, but uh, but man, anyone who's listening who's ever been to Boulder and experienced the weirdness that is Boulder um, take Boulder and remove the bougie kind of, uh, you know, Pottery Barn, Apple Store kind of stuff vibe from, from that, and that's what you have in Asheville. So uh, it's, a, it's a pretty interesting place. And, and McCormick Field, uh, man, I was surprised. I mean, I think capacity is about 35,000, but it's really, really cool. You know, it's just kind of chucked away. Um, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's facing the mouth. So it's, uh, you know, you got – you got the seats behind home plate. You know, we, we paid 25 bucks total, and we were right behind home plate, which was really cool. Um, and, you know, got all these trees in the outfield. You got these big uh, walls with all these small-town local sponsors all over the place. Um, and it was just a really fun atmosphere, you know, and people turn out. Uh, we saw a lot of tourist gear around around town the whole week. Um, didn't really hear people talking about them, but uh, – but man, in the stadium, you can tell there's people who come to a ton of games because, and people are cheering for guys, they're cheering for guys by name. Um, you know, that, that town really seems to really rally around Asheville. It really helps that in you know, the past few years, they've, they've been really good. So this year, they celebrated their 100th year as the tourists. Um, they hosted the Sally League All Star Game, um, and they're celebrating their uh, 2014 Sally League Championship which came exactly 30 years to the day from their, uh, not their I think their first, uh, maybe maybe second 
side of the league championship. So, uh, man, really fun atmosphere around there. Uh, really small town baseball, kind of in some ways. Like, kind of said to my wife, yeah, this is this is how baseball, this is baseball as it like was envisioned as is meant to be played. Small crowds, uh, small towns. Uh, it was a ton of fun. If you ever get a chance to go to Asheville, it's kind of tucked away out there. Uh, but man, it's a it's a wonderful place. Yeah, and they're playing uh, Savannah Sand Nats in the South Atlantic League, the Sally League playoffs, uh, coming up Wednesday, as you said. Uh, Savannah, the Sand Nats are moving to Columbia and becoming the Columbia Fireflies uh, this offseason, right up there with the Argoats for great names. Uh, they've got three solid prospects uh, on that team right now as of today that aren't even being called down, that are just already on that team for the playoffs, that are in the Mets' top 30. Uh, Garcia, who's a uh, third baseman, Barrera, who's an outfielder, and Gilmore, who's a second baseman, or sorry, a shortstop. Uh, Adam, you know, you, you watch this Asheville team. Uh, you know, we, we know it pretty well. They got guys like Castiani and Tinoco, as well as uh, Nunez. What are we looking forward to as the Rockies' only team that has made the playoffs this uh, season here? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not sure that you can watch. Uh, it would be fun if you could watch. I don't know if MLB but, uh, TV carries it or MILB TV carries it. Uh, but uh, man, I went in there looking forward to seeing Dom Nunez and uh, Forrest Wall, uh, you know, Tyler Mott's man crush. And uh, Forrest had a tough day, I'll say. Uh, he, he was facing a lefty, uh, and so Forrest Wall is the second baseman hits lefty from Warren Park, Florida. Um, and, and he looked really soft. He looked really, really good on defense. Uh, there was a tough play in the, I think, uh, the eighth inning. Uh, you know, he, uh, yeah, there's one out, uh, two guys on. Got uh, already scored to give up the lead and uh, got a ground ball to him. It was, it was a tough play, but then he totally just botched the throw and uh, uh, two runs ended up scoring because of that error. Um, and so. In addition to going 0 for 4 with with a strikeout and a double play, uh, two strikeouts and a double play, uh, he had a tough game. But but those are the guys to watch. Uh, Dom looked great at the plate. Um, he, he had a really solid approach. He had, he turned together a couple long at bats. I saw um, had a hit and uh, and I believe a walk. Um, he had a walk in the ninth inning. But those are the two big guys. Uh, Sam Howard was the guy that I got to see pitch, and I'd never heard the guy's name. But man, he uh, darn if he didn't throw six solid things. Uh, you know, had uh, you know five strikeouts, and we gave up uh, you know give up five hits, one walk. Uh, pitched great, and so I think I may be wrong, but but I think it's the pitching on the staff. You know, they got it's just Tinoco um, on there. Uh, I, I'm thinking that he's probably going to start on Wednesday for the uh, series opener. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like I'm, I'm not too sure. You know, it's a short series, and as, as we all know, like baseball can turn really quick. So you have uh, two bad games, and you're done. So, so we'll see. But I, uh, I think there's a lot to look forward to for the future from this team, uh, especially I. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about some of these guys. Yeah, and I, I really do like their chances, uh, especially I don't know how many days they get off between, I guess that's the South Atlantic League playoffs and that's all they get, but it's the three-game three three, league, three, uh, three game series. Uh, 
I, I, I think they have a good shot because it's all pitching. All playoffs is all pitching. And they run out a guy like Tonoko, who they're probably going to run out Wednesday, and then Castiani on Thursday. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't think they're going to, but if they bring down Sanzatella just to get him one more start, that's like, that's going to be pretty hard to beat. I don't think they're going to do that. Sanzatella didn't even get a start anywhere else but Modesto this year. You might as well let him come off the year. Uh, but, you know, we all love Sanzatella. I think that might be the dark horse for next Rockies Twitter love. Uh, but I, I think that about wraps us up for the week. I do want to give a huge shout-out to the Taurus once again. Uh, my favorite logo, favorite team in the Rockies system, and that'll still be true next year with the Yard Goats <laughs> existing. I have two Asheville hats. Adam's going to tweet out the picture of his Asheville hats that he got over the weekend. Uh, Which later are glow-in-the-dark, by the way. They are glow-in-the-dark hats, I was assured. I still haven't gotten verification on that, but uh, order yourselves a hat from the tourist draft. Uh, do yourselves a favor. Minor League Baseball is something else, folks. It really um, is. It, it is fantastic stuff. Uh, so that's going to wrap up this, the 18th edition, maybe the Jason Kendall edition. I think I'm going to call it the Asheville, the tourist edition of the podcast, especially with Labor Day weekend, uh, and two new members of the podcast this week. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Rocky Singer. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Trem underscore 17. It just go. won't be easy. At Shapalicious <laughs> is me. Adam is at player TBNL, player to be named later. You can follow the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Pod, Podbean, as well as RockyZingers.com, the site we all work, work for and the podcast is done for. Uh, Colorado Rockies Baseball, uh, ESPN Sweet Spot Blog Network. And uh, you can follow them on Twitter at RockyZingers. Hi, Richard, uh, if you're listening. I don't think Richard's listening in a few weeks. He's a great boss. We love him anyway. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, boss. And we'll talk to you next week one way or the other. I know I'll be here. I don't know who will be around me. See you then, guys. Go Rockies.